Yeah. 
that is so true as we've, as we've journeyed through our study in the book of Matthew. I mean, what else could you say of, of the person and of the work of Christ other than it is truly glorious, everything that he's done. So let's go ahead and, and take a few minutes of fellowship before we get to the sermon.
All right, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, we'll be looking at verses 11 through 15 today. Uh, I believe Matthew 28 is one of the greatest chapters in the entire Bible. Uh, it starts with the resurrection, verses 1 through 10. You can't get any better than a passage on the resurrection. It's a great 10 verses. I got to preach it last week. It was great news. I think we all walked out of here very excited. It was awesome. And then the next passage at the end is the Great Commission. As Jesus ascends and says, now go into all the world and preach the Gospel. It's a great passage. I can't wait to preach it. So tucked in between the resurrection and the Great Commission is a big fat lie. <laughs> That's what it is. I told Brandon, I said, this is a fun passage to preach today and it gets overlooked. Very few people preach this passage because it is a lie. Verses 11-15, through 15, I titled the sermon... The biggest lie ever told. And that's what this is. You're going to see a lie here. And I'm going to give you in a few minutes why Matthew put this lie in the Bible. Uh, there's a reason he has it here. But I want to spend the entirety of our time today studying the biggest lie ever told. So let's stand together and we'll read this lie. And I think this lie will prove the ultimate truth that Jesus has risen from the dead. So I want to read verses 11-15. through 15, The biggest lie ever told. Starting in verse 11, it says, Now, when they were going, behold, some of the watch, that would be the guards, came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave a large sum of money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, say this, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So the guards took the money did as they were taught, and this, the theft theory, this saying is commonly reported among all the Jews up until this day. This right here, you'll see it today, is the biggest lie that has ever been told in the history of the world. Everybody here has told lies, whether you want to, if you say you haven't, you're an even bigger liar than you think you are. You've told big lies, you've told little lies, you've told white lies. This here is the biggest lie that's ever been told. The consequences of this lie is damning and destructive. So we need to know it, we need to refute it, and we need to all be confirmed that Jesus is risen from the dead. So let's pray together and we'll study these verses. Father, we thank You for even the, the obscure passages in the Bible. I've studied this this week and I believe it is exactly what we need to hear today. I believe that You, God, in Your sovereignty, You are proving the truth through this lie. So I pray that I would be able to get that across today, that we would all walk out here today being 100% confirmed that our Savior and our Lord is risen from the dead. That everything that we believe is true. This is a great passage and we need to hear it. So help us today and we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to give you two quotes to start the sermon today. Number one, the resurrection of Christ is either the greatest miracle or the greatest delusion which history records. It's one or the other. Quote number two, the resurrection is either the most wicked, vicious, and heartless hoaxes ever foisted upon the minds of men, or it is the most fantastic fact in all of history. And it is either one or the other. It can't be there's, there's no gray area, there's no middle, it either happened or it didn't. It's either a, a fact or it is fiction. It's either a history or it's a, a hoax. And if it didn't happen, we lose absolutely everything as Christians. 
We have absolutely nothing. We should walk out of church today and never come back. They should board this place up and we should take the cross off of the, the steeple and we should no longer be a church. We have no reason to meet, no reason to sing, no reason to preach. First uh, Corinthians 15 says our, our preaching is in vain, our, our faith is in vain, we're still in our sins, that we are, are, are all men are most miserable. If the resurrection didn't happen, we lose absolutely everything that we believe. If it did happen... <laughs> It changes absolutely everything. If it did happen, then you and I need to believe it with all of our hearts. We need to own it. We, we need to live it. We need to tell it. We need to shout it. We need to let everybody know because our, our preaching is, is uh, of great worth. Our faith is not in vain. That we are not miserable. We are not to be pitied. We have, we have a great hope beyond this grave. If it did happen, it changes everything. Christianity stands or falls with the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So, where do you think the devil would, would, would attack first among everything? You, you get that right. I, I made this big statement that if it did happen, it changes everything. If it didn't happen, we lose everything. So if Satan's going to attack Christianity and bring it to its knees, the first domino that he's going to push over so that everything falls after that is an attack on the resurrection. And that's the very first thing he does here. The immediate reaction of Satan and all of hell is to try to destroy the resurrection. They can't put Jesus in the tomb. He's risen. That's what verses 1-10 through says. It's early Sunday morning. The ladies show up at the tomb. It's the, the best news they've ever heard. He's not here. He is risen. Come in and see the place where He lay. He's risen just like He said He would. This is a supernatural miracle that Jesus is risen from the dead. And then it says, they went to tell the disciples. Go and tell this great news. So Jesus is risen from the dead. There's nothing Satan can do about it. There's nothing Jesus' enemies can do about it. All they can do is create a lie about it. And we see that. It says in verse 11, Now when they were going, that's the women, behold, some of the guards take the news to Jesus' enemies, the priests. The ones who have been trying to get rid of Jesus since the day He was born. They hear the news and their first response is to lie. And not just a little lie, but the biggest lie ever told. So now we're going to study this lie. And Matthew puts this here, and I want to get this across right now. This is the reason we're always asking, what's the meaning of this? Why is this here? And the meaning of this, number one, is Matthew's trying to destroy the lie uh, and all the lies that Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. So he wants to demolish it. He wants us to see how silly all these lies are. And in doing so, he wants to confirm the truth for us that we'll walk away with more confidence than we ever have that Jesus physically rose from the dead. So he's going to destroy these lies and he's going to confirm us in the truth. So let's spend the, the entirety of our time today looking at a big fat lie. The biggest lie ever told. I'm going to break this down into... Three points for us as we work our way through these verses. I want to show you, first of all, the start of the lie. How the lie begins. And it's always good to start at the, the origin of the lie. How did all this start? And that's where we get. We get to see in verse 11 how the lie started. It says, now, when they were going. And that, that they, I've already said it, that they is the women of verse 10. That Jesus showed up to them said, be not afraid. Go and tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there they shall see me. So he said, go and tell uh, the disciples that I'm, I'm alive. 
So it says in verse 11, now when they were going, they were being obedient. They took off. They went off running. They're, they're going to find the disciples. They're going to tell them the good news. And Jesus is no longer in the grave. He's risen. The disciples are hiding. They're, they're all spread all over the area. So they've got to try to find all the disciples and, and they take off to tell the truth of the resurrection. And it says, now when that was going on, immediately, it says, behold, some of the guards, some of the watch, in the meantime, while these women are, are taking off to tell the good news, to tell the, the truth, these guards wake up. We noticed it last week that they had passed out. They were like, like dead men when, when the angels showed up. So now they've come too. And they decided, we need to go tell somebody. So get this, we were now going in two directions. The women are going to tell the disciples the truth. And these guards are going, and they're not going to Pilate, who would have been their authority. They're going in the opposite direction to tell the priests. Why to the priests and not to Pilate? Very simple answer. You always go to the one you're going to not get in trouble with. Uh, my kids do that. If they think that I'm the one that's going to whip them, they go to Steph. If they think Steph's going to be the one that's going to get really mad at them if they've done something, they go to Dad. If they think we're both going to get mad at them, they go to my mom. The one who's going to get you in the least amount of trouble. That's what they do. They know that the priest can't really do anything to them. So they're not going to go to Pilate who would kill them. If you lost somebody and you were a guard and you lost a dead body, you're going to die. So let's go to the priest and we'll tell them. I'm sure as they're walking to the chief priest, they're thinking, they're going to be so mad at us. So they get there. Watch this. This is the news of the resurrection. I like that. They're going to tell the, the priest on, on their way. The news of the resurrection is spreading fast. The ladies are going to tell... Let me show you how this works. Jesus has risen from the dead and God sends an angel to the women to tell them He's not here for He has risen. Go and come and see the place where He lays. God sends an angel to them. He sends the women to the disciples. And He sends guards to the priests. News is spreading fast. And then He'll send the disciples in just a few verses to the whole world. So God is sending that message out to everybody that He can. Angel to the women, women to the disciples, guard to the priests, and then the disciples to the whole world. This news is spreading like wildfire. Like a juicy rumor. And they get there. It says, some of the watch, not all of them, I don't know what happened there. It doesn't say all of the guards. They say there were as many as 12 guards that would have been keeping watch over the tomb. They'd be taking shifts over the, over the span of him being in the tomb. And some would watch three, three or four at a time and the others would rest or sleep and then they would, they would switch about. So there may have been as many as 12 guards at the tomb when Jesus was, was buried. So some of them went back, not all of them. Some of them may have went home. They might have been scared to death. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to go home. Maybe some stayed at the tomb, but they sent a few of them to the priests to tell them. And they came into the, the city. And I like that. It says, when they were going, behold, some of the watch came to the city and showed. They're going to tell them everything. Show them all things. Under the chief priests, all things that were done. They told the priests everything. All the details. They left nothing out. Here's what happened. Here's what took place. And I, I, I've spent all week trying to imagine that scene that as they go into the, in, in to see the priests and they know that this is bad news for the priests. If they go walking in and they have a spokesman, I don't know how many, how many of the guards show up, but maybe they, they poked one and said, you tell them. No, you tell them. 
When I got four kids standing in front of me and they're poking each other about telling, you know something bad's about to come out. And then you have the speaker step up and said, okay. Um, uh, we were guarding the tomb like you told us to. And it was early Sunday morning. It was early this morning, the same day. Early, it was earlier this morning. And the sun had, had just come up and, and it was kind of dark and, and kind of dusky. And, and, and all of a sudden, we were standing there like we were supposed to. And then all of a sudden, we, we, we felt an earthquake. Everything started shaking and we all started looking at each other. And they're telling this to the priest. And then, it just keeps on going, as the, the earth is shaking, there's this bright and glorious angel comes down from heaven. Now the story's getting a little crazy, right? And that angel pushed this two-ton stone away from the tomb, and then, guess what? He sit on it! He's just sitting there. His countenance was white as snow. His clothes were glorious. They were shining. We were covering our face. We couldn't even look towards Him. He looked like a young, strong man. And then, the priest like, what happened next? Our knees started shaking and we all passed out like dead men. <laughs> and then what happened after that? We woke up. We looked in the tomb. Jesus was gone. And we went in. And we looked at His clothes that were laying there and they were neatly laid like He had been in them and just passed through them. The news is, Jesus is not here. He has risen from the dead. We've seen a lot in our lifetime as soldiers, but we've never seen anything like this. And the priests are sitting there, what? What just happened? Are you kidding me? That was the truth. Get this, that was the truth. I said we were going to go with how the lie started. The start of it, it starts with the truth. These guards have become... Gospel preachers, as they go and tell the truth to the priests, the guards just admitted to all the, the priests that were standing there that the tomb was empty and Jesus has risen from the dead. The guards have just admitted that He's gone. The guards have just admitted that just as He said, He's risen from the dead and there's nothing we can do about it. They've told the truth. This is exactly what happened. This is great news. But as the priests hear it, it's the worst news they've ever heard. They tried to get rid of him since he was born. And here, finally, they thought he was gone for good. And now the news on Sunday morning is, he's back. This is the worst thing they've ever heard. So how are they going to respond? What will they do now? So the lie starts with the truth. Just like the women go and tell the disciples, these guards have went and told the priests. The priests didn't get an angel. They didn't get the women. They got unbelieving guards. And as they're told the truth, and it is, uh, the response to truth should be, you guys get this, the response to truth, as the angels tell the women, and, and, the, and the women look into the tomb, and He's gone, the response to that should be uh, what they did. They, they fall at the feet of Jesus and worship Him. He is Lord. As the disciples get the word and they have interaction with Jesus and He appears to them, their response is worship and Jesus is Lord. But here, this message gets to, to, to these priests who hate Jesus, who are the enemies of Jesus, and still their response should be repentance and faith in Jesus. But instead of believing the truth, we get a lie. 
And that's point number two. I want to tell you the story that they tell. So to start, starts with the truth. Now the story that they tell. My, my granny used to say that to us. Me and my cousins would be at granny's and we'd come and tell her something and she knew it was a lie. And she'd say, are you telling me a story? <laughs> so that's, that's, that's his point. It's a story. They tell, they tell a story. Well, watch what happens. Verse 12. It says, and when they were assembled, these chief priests, that's who that is they, the chief priests, they got together. They huddled up. <laughs> I think they might have even had a, had a business meeting. They got them all together. It's an official meeting of, of all the religious officials. It could be uh, uh, as many as 70 has now gathered together. It's the Sanhedrin. It's the, the ruling body. It's the who's who of religious leaders in that time. And they've all gotten together and they're going to decide what they're going to do now with this risen Savior. That's what they're doing. They're assembling with the elders. And they're taking counsel. I don't know what's going on in that meeting. As they're all gathered there together now saying, what are we going to do? He's not in the tomb. I think they probably should have got together and said, okay, let's investigate. They should have said, let's ask some questions to these guards. Let's go to the tomb and see it for ourselves. Let's see if He appears to us. Let's see if He's, if he's walking around. They, they should have had a full investigation. They should have said what we all say. Let's be open and honest about this. Is He really alive? There has to be some honesty. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Let's see if it's true. But that's not what they do. Instead, they're trying to cover it up. They're trying to save face. They know that if He's alive, they'll lose all their power, they'll lose all their popularity, they'll lose their position, they'll lose money, they'll, they'll have to admit that they're wrong. It's going to go bad for them if they tell the truth. So they want to cover it up. So here's what they decide to do. It's not the truth, it's a lie. Understand this, this was their move. I believe that there's a battle raging then and there's a battle raging now. And it's two kingdoms against each other. It's the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Satan. You know that. Always until the end of time, going head to head. And in this moment, Jesus had just, and in my mind I imagine is a game of chess, and when Jesus arose from the dead, that was checkmate. There's nothing no one can do. You might as well knock all your pieces over. But the move that Satan makes now, and the only move that he has, is to create a lie. That is ultimately what's going on here. It's a, in, in, the, in the, the battle that's, that's raging in our world even today, it is truth versus a lie. And God is on the side of truth and Satan is on the, the side of, of lies and, and they're going head to head. So the truth has come out. Jesus is risen from the dead. So Satan has to create a lie to go against it. So now, here's the lie. Here's his move. He's already lost. It's checkmate, but he's going to keep on playing. He knows he has no hope. So watch what happens. Here's what they decide to do. <laughs> At the end of verse 12, it says they... Gave a large, gave large money under the soldiers. They gave a large sum of money. I don't know how, again, I don't know how many soldiers were there, but they had to pay off every single one of them. You don't pay off somebody to tell the truth. You pay off somebody to tell a lie. 
So now they're paying them off. They're giving them a large sum of money. And it's a lot. They're, they're having to, to give it to all maybe 12 of these soldiers. Now Judas got 30 pieces of silver. How much did these guys get? I, I don't know. But they're going to have to give it all to 12 different guys now. And, and we need to, I, I know there's not a lot of application here, but here's an application. It costs you a lot to lie. They're just uh, paying out more and more and more and more trying to cover this truth with lies. So they bribe the soldiers. I don't We have no idea how much they gave them. We know in verse 15 that the soldiers took the money. They sold their soul for whatever amount of money they were given. But it says, and they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. In verse 13, here's the lie. Saying, here's what you say. They're putting a lie into these guys' mouths. Say ye, here, here you go, you guys are ready for it, here's the lie. And again, we've all lied, every single one of us. Some have lied in big ways, some have lied in small ways, and some have lied in, in little white lies, but every single lie that comes out of our mouth is a sin and we shouldn't do it. But this is the biggest lie that's ever been told. And I think maybe the worst lie that's ever been told. I don't think it's a very good lie. Watch this, let's, let's just go, watch how evil these religious men are. Here's the lie. Say this. Say ye, you say, first his disciples. They can't blame the Romans. The Romans wouldn't try to do anything with Jesus' body. That'd be crazy. They can't blame the women. There's no way the women could have got his body. Nobody would believe that lie. So they're sitting there in their council chamber. Who can we blame this on? Who can we pin it on? Who can we say took the body? Let's say his 11 disciples. <laughs> they're big fishermen. They could do this. Those 11 cowards who are now hiding in their basement somewhere. Let's say they did it. The, 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 the Peter who, who uh, uh, ran away from a, a little girl who called him out. That guy. We'll say they did it. Okay. So the disciples did what? Let's say the disciples came by night and stole his body. Now you say, okay, they, they could have stole the body. Turn back with me, if you will. Matthew 27, verse 62 and this goes right with last week, or the week before, or two or three weeks ago. It says, now the next day, the following day, this is Saturday, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, sir, we remember that the deceiver said, while he was yet alive, that after three days he was going to rise again. So command, there's authority, therefore, that the sepulcher, the tomb, be made sure, secure, until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away. And saying to his people that he is risen from the dead, so the last hour shall be worse than the first. And Pilate said unto them, You have your watch, you have your guards, I'll give you twelve men or more. Go your way, make it as sure and secure as possible. I want you to lock this thing up like Fort Knox so nobody can get in and nobody can get out. We guarantee his body will not be stolen by anybody. They made it, sh they made it sure. No way anybody can steal his body. But then, Matthew 28. <laughs> See? Say somebody stole it. They just made sure nobody could. And now they're saying somebody did. So now the next question, his disciples did it. His disciples stole the body. But how could they have done that? Eleven scared, silly disciples. How could they have stolen the body? 
That's impossible. Number three, they did it while the guards slept. Okay, there's a lot wrong with that. There's as many as 12 guards and all of them are sound asleep. They'd be taking watch. These are guys who know how to, how to guard a tomb. So these guys would be taking a watch. They'd be three awake and maybe three asleep and, and three eating. And, and I don't know, I don't know what they're all they were doing, but never would they all fall asleep at the same time. And I don't know how sound you guys sleep. But if I hear one little thing in my house, I'm jumping straight up. I mean, I figure that's how we all are. But what if you're outside and it's dark and you're supposed to guard a tomb? How sound will you sleep? So they were sound asleep. This is a lie. The guards all were sound asleep. And I think it's funny how they know the disciples came and got it if they were sound asleep. <laughs> the disciples, while they were sleeping, secretly, get this, it's how silly it is. It's like the disciples are in a Mission Impossible movie. Peter hanging from wires. <laughs> right? And they're all asleep. So 11 fishermen are going to sneak up, look at a two-ton stone, and they're all going to push it real quiet. And they've got another disciple over there just in case the guards wake up singing them a lullaby. Right? So they're pushing the stone. Rolling it away. Not making a noise. That two-ton stone is not going to make a noise at all. Pushing it away. Going into the tomb. We talked about it last week. Now now they go into the tomb and instead of hurrying and rushing and, and getting the body as it's wrapped up and taking it out and, and getting away, they unwrap it. Right? This is what the lie is. They unwrap it. And they don't unwrap it like you would a mummy and just grab one end and roll it and let it unravel. They unravel it a piece at a time and then put it back exactly as it was like he had just come through it. Let it all neatly like it was. And then they take the dead body that was bleeding and nasty and as, as gross as it possibly could be, been in the tomb for three days, and they sneak out. Right? This is, this is the lie. This is what they want to tell while they were all sound asleep. These guards, these professional men under the penalty of, of death had one job to do, guard a dead man, and they all slept through it. There's more, <laughs> there's more holes in this story than a pair of Crocs. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> I, right? This is the worst lie I've ever heard. This is the worst move Satan's ever made. This is his attack. This is what he's going to say. I mean, you're sitting there thinking, couldn't even come up with something better than that? That's what they have? This is not only the biggest lie ever told, this may be the worst lie that's ever been told. I mean, this is crazy. This is, I was going to call this not the story of the lie, but the stupidness of the lie. This is, this is, it would take, I'm going to be very nice. It would take somebody incredibly dumb to believe this lie. It's easier to believe the truth than it is to believe this lie. And there's other lies. I want to give you a few of them. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. But Satan has thrown out other lies. <laughs> I think this is, 
There's a, a lie that's out there today that people believe called the swoon theory. Some of you have heard this. That Jesus wasn't really dead. That when He was on the cross, He passed out. He was unconscious. And then when they laid Him in the tomb, that this cool air... This is a real theory. I'm not even kidding. People believe this. There was a, a breeze that went through the tomb and all of a sudden Jesus woke up. And in the middle of the night, He woke up. And He took off all of His grave clothes, laid them back perfectly as they were, somehow got that big stone on the outside, rolled away, and walked out Himself. And again, He just got off the cross. He couldn't even carry that cross up the hill. He was so beaten and battered and bruised. Really? I'll give you another one. There's a hallucination theory that everybody who saw Him while He was alive was hallucinating. All 500 people that saw Him were more. They were all hallucinating. One problem with that one is the tomb's still empty. There's the wrong tomb theory. You guys can Google this. The wrong tomb theory. That the ladies went to the wrong tomb. That makes no sense at all. The devil just is not a very... He's a liar and a deceiver and the truth isn't in him, but it doesn't say he's a good liar. This is a bad lie. The wrong tomb theory. The lady showed up. The angel came down. The angel said, I know why you're here. You're here to see Jesus who was crucified. He's risen from the dead. Come see the place where He lay. They knew exactly where the tomb was. Again, if this is the wrong tomb, show me the body. This is my favorite one. This is, this is, this is, this is real stuff. It, this is the main point of this middle part of the sermon. It's easier to believe the truth than it is a lie. There's the impersonation theory. That somebody got, that the disciples went and found somebody who looked like Jesus and he just walked around impersonating him. That's crazy. Again, where's the body? And then the last one I'll give you, and there's more, the spiritual resurrection. <laughs> that Jesus didn't physically rise from the dead. He spiritually arose from the dead. And that He, he walked around as some kind of spiritual figure and, and not really His body still in the tomb, but He walked around as a metaphor for how you can overcome things in life. Martin Luther King Jr. believed this one. The spiritual resurrection, not the physical. But still the, the question remains, where's the body? If all these things, any of these things are true, then you need to produce a body. You need to prove that, the, that He is still in the tomb and nobody can. So the only answer is, if these are the best lies that they got, get this, I mean, every one of you should have looked at them. In my mind as I was preparing this, I thought everybody would be so laughing at all these things. You guys just looking at me like, if this is the best lie they have, then there's no other explanation than Jesus is risen from the dead. No other explanation. All these lies just confirm the truth that Jesus is risen from the dead. Let me show you the next thing it says. It says in verse 14, and we'll protect you. It says, and if this come to the governor's ears, which would be Pilate, if he hears about it, and you know he's going to hear about it, I mean... <laughs> People are seeing Jesus. People are talking about Jesus. Jesus is walking around for, for 40 days in Jerusalem. He's going to hear about it. And if He does and He starts asking questions, we'll, we'll cover for you. We'll say you did a good job. Everything's, everything's fine. You'll be okay. So now these big, powerful religious leaders in this one little thing here has given money, has lied, has covered up. This is as evil as it gets. These are evil men. And the question you're going to ask at the end of verse 14 is why do they go to all this trouble? Wouldn't it just be easier to believe the truth? 
Why come up with all this? Why pay the money? Why try to cover up? Why lie? Why are they doing this? They knew the truth. I mean, they, they, it's, like, it's not like they didn't know. They knew angels meant God was doing something. They knew uh, an earthquake. God was shaking things. They knew there was no body. They knew the tomb was empty. They knew. The, the guards knew. They, they saw it. Everybody in this passage admits that there's an empty tomb. They just got to explain why it's empty. So why are they lying? Some people say it's they're lying because of intellectual reasons. That nobody has ever risen from the dead before. They've never seen it happen before. That's not true. They've seen Lazarus just a few weeks earlier. It's not intellectual. It's not because it's hard to believe. We know God works miracles. We know God raises the dead. And I can ask this. Why don't people believe today? Jews don't believe today that Jesus rose from the dead. Atheists don't believe it. Agnostics don't believe it. Muslims don't believe it. Nobody, I mean, there's a multitude of people who don't believe it today. Why? It's not because it's intellectual. Because God works miracles. We know that, that that can happen. We know that just because it doesn't happen today, it didn't happen then. So it's not intellectual. It's not personal. Some people say, well, it's just because they didn't want to get in trouble. It's better for them. They'd have to admit that they're wrong. It's not personal. The reason they lied, and the reason they wouldn't believe, and the reason people won't believe today, is spiritual. You need to get this. This is They didn't believe for the same reason that other people today don't believe. That if there's somebody sitting in this room today and you refuse to believe, it's the same reason why they refuse to believe. If you want to live a lie, it's the same reason they wanted to live a lie. They didn't believe because they didn't want to believe. This here brings their apostasy to an end. They've rejected every proof 